All right, so let's get started. Um, initially, when I was uh, thinking through the training that we're going to do now, I had thought of to just do training based on the app credit change and the single credit environment. And I thought it'd be good if I sort of took some time to level set and give you guys a bigger picture of what the plans are for 2014. The app credit changes the piece of the puzzle. Um, but as far as what we're doing on the inside to improve our processes, to improve us, uh, ourselves as a team, as our ability, you know, and our ability to sell and our ability to do so compliantly, uh, you know, what are the three, two or three items? If you came to me and said, Rob, what are your plans for 2014? I want to give you guys a quick brief overview of that and then we'll jump into the training. We won't get through all the training today, but, you know, we'll, we'll go the hour and, uh, continue next week. So, um, this is the agenda. So, <coughs> we'll start off with the 2014 inside sales plan and then we'll go into uh, a few barriers uh, to effective selling. Um, we won't get to the call script, but this will probably be for next time. Uh, we'll talk about what our, you know, what our call script should look like. Um, when we talk to someone on the phone, we need to be intentional. Right? What we're saying there's a purpose for it. We're not just chit-chatting with someone and hoping they're closed, but there's an intentional system by which we take them through a presentation and try to get them to close at the end. And then we'll wrap up with some uh, uh, handling objectives. So with the inside sales uh, planning, obviously number one on my mind is increasing sales, right? Um, you guys obviously want to increase your own sales and my job as a sales manager is to help you guys increase your sales. If you're selling more, you're happy, and I'm happy and everyone is happy. So the, the, the two items under increased sales bucket is the move to single credit system, um, which uh, allows you guys, it gives you guys more ownership to what happens to your leads in every stage of the process. Um, and it aligns the, the goal of the inside team to the goal of the, of, of the outside team to the goal of you know, the company, the goal, which is what? Apps, right? In the end, we're, we're all after the same thing. So <clears throat> I won't rehash uh, the whys and the hows of that because we talked about that already, but just that's the quick point under increased sales. And second is regular training and follow-up coaching. So um, I think it's very important what we're doing here for the next week and a half, which is sit down and talk about sales training. Um, you guys are all over the map when it comes to what you received when you came on board for sales training. And... There's you know differences in in the experience you guys have had outside of Tufts. So, um, you know you got someone, you know like Giuseppe who said he had plenty of training three weeks or whatever it was, and you got Pat who told me she had three days and was thrown to the wolves. <laughs> so, you know if if we're looking to improve ourselves, you know I think not training should not just be a requirement for when you start, but on an ongoing basis. Right? As a sales manager, I I try to improve myself. Um, by getting information outside of Tufts, by reading. Um, and, and I think that's the right mindset that we should have as we seek to, you know, quarter after quarter, year after year, improve our ability. So I think we should have this maybe on a yearly basis. Maybe we, we decide it's twice a year. I don't know. But we should have regular training and uh, we should have follow-up coaching that is an overflow of that training. So as I've talked to you guys and I've gotten to know what's happened before my time, um, though we've done a lot of good 
as a sales team, uh, historically, I've gotten a lot of this from you guys. Oh, this new process was rolled out, and no one ever mentioned it after, after that. I never did it. It's been six months. I have no idea how to do it. So, you know, there's been situations where you guys have been, you know, uh, receiving things, documents, job aids, processes. Someone goes over it quickly. Um, there is no follow-up. And then it is forgotten. It fades away. So whatever we do, I think we should have follow-up. You know, that, that provides consistency and also gives you guys what you need to uh, absorb at an optimal level all that you need to do. I can't expect to dump you know, 10 slides in a deck to you in half an hour and, and think you're going to remember this three months from now, unless I'm doing what? Follow-up coaching. So that's very important. Now, as, a, as an outflow of increased sales, um, the, the next item on my checklist is enhanced call script compliance. Now, as a sales manager, I, I know it's not very sexy for me to talk about compliance. Uh, you know, we, we want to talk about numbers and sales and money. Uh, that's what drives us in sales. But I want to share with you my concern in this bucket and how it can negatively impact us if we're not doing a good job in this area. So the way I titled this was just uh, rewrite the call script with better sales quality and compliance elements. If I asked all of you to tell me what your call script is, uh, some of you would probably say, you know, I don't remember. I was trained on this when I started, but I don't remember what it was. Some of you would say, um, what call script? You know, what are you talking I had a person that, you know, a rep in my last, the group from yesterday said, what call script? What are you talking about? So that's, that's concerning, right? Because every year we have to submit a call script to CMS saying, hey, CMS, this is what we're doing on the phones. And if you guys don't even know that that process even exists, that's uh, concerning. Why is it concerning? It's concerning because um, CMS has a lot of power to really hurt us if they want to. They want to come in here and pull all calls, Giuseppe's calls, Pat's calls, Justin's calls, and start analyzing things. And they say, wait a minute, I see a lot of discrepancies here. I see a lot of things being said on the phone that shouldn't be said on the phone. Wait a minute. Every year, Rob, you submit this call script. I listened to Justin's call. He, he touched on half of what you said he was going to touch upon. Whatever happened to the other half of that? Um, so... I don't know how many of you guys have worked for other health plans. I'm, I don't think anybody in this room, I know you did seals outside of Tufts, but this is the first like, actual health plan. I know Ben's done other health plans. Um, and Tufts is really small in the grand scheme of things. When you look at the Uniteds and the Humanas and the Blue Crosses, we're very small. Um, and having the agency background that I have, I worked with a lot of national carriers. The way of every health plan is this. I'll tell you how, how it happens. The health plan starts, they get a lot of members, they hire lots of salespeople, to get lots of members, grows, 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 profits increase, revenues increase, and no one is, is, is blowing the compliance whistle. No one wants to hear that, right? Everyone's making more and more money every year. No one wants to hear, hey guys, technic, no one wants to hear that. Grows, 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 grows. They come onto the CMS ra radar. CMS comes in, sees that they're doing everything incorrectly, sanctions them. Everyone weeps and wails. Everyone learns their lesson. It says, never again will we do that. You know, it become, becomes a lesson learned. So, um, th thankfully, we've, we've done a good job. Historically, Tufts is a good plan. I think we do a lot of good stuff, uh, and there's a lot of uh, right being done by the customer. But I think there's a little bit of liability in, in when it comes to our call script. 
that if they come into the sales department, the audit last year didn't really go into sales too much. Um, but if they decide next year to say, hey, we're going to check out sales, um, I'd be concerned. I would be concerned. I don't like being concerned, right? Um, on, 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 you know, in the best case scenario, they can come in and just fine us lots of money. And that falls on not just you guys, it falls on me. You know, why weren't you training your reps on this? Why were you letting this fall through the cracks? Worst case scenario, <coughs> they sanction us and tell us we can't sell. Now, I don't know what bonus is for you. Uh, I like getting my bonus every month. <laughs> if someone told me that I would not be getting bonus for the foreseeable future, I'd be very upset. And I'm sure you guys would be too. And I don't think there is any need for us to allow that to happen to then have lessons learned. Like, hey, what did we learn from this audit? You know, never do this again. I don't think we need to get to that point. To allow, you know, I, I think we need to ensure that we're doing everything to the best of our possible ability, that we, that we know what the guidelines are, that we know what CMS is expecting of us, that we're just doing it. So that when an audit comes in, we're not scrambling. So I, I, you know, it happened in April, I wasn't here, but I heard there's a lot of scrambling. Now I know CMS can be a little overbearing or a little rigid sometimes, but I should not have to scramble for things that is my responsibility to have filed away somewhere. You know, we should just dot our I's across our T's. So um, if anything happens because of sales, uh, talks will go on, but we're the ones who be the most hurt as people close to the, the customer. If we can't sell, um, I don't know about you, I'm going to be hurt, you're going to be hurt. Tops will continue. You know, the executive team will, will not be happy, but top, everyone will continue. And, and some of you guys will probably be like, you know what, Rob, I can't stay here. I've got to find a place where I can make bonus. Um, so I don't want to put you guys in that position. So it's one of those necessary evils. I do want to make sure that our call, call script, what we're saying on the phones, is lined up with what we're telling CMS that we're saying, working with compliance to get them to build some consensus, make, maybe build agreements, because there's part of that's my job too, and, and, and make it so the call script is not this rigid document, which is one of my first impressions when I first came on board. When they gave me the call script, I'm like, how are you selling? You know? And when I started listening to the calls, you guys aren't doing what the call script says. So I, I, I like that you guys are selling. I want you to sell. I don't like that there's a disconnect there, and the, the call script should be real, in the, uh, realistic in, this, in the sense that it helps you sell, but it should be also touching the points that CMS requires that we touch upon. So um, what ties the other two together is this third point, which is updating our QM process and scorecard. Um, you guys don't get weekly or monthly reviews on what your scorecards or, or quality monitoring results are. Um, you guys have it in your review. I, I, you know, that's the document that we go over. Uh, every year in June. Um, it shows this is what you did for sales, this is what you did for quality monitoring, this is what you did for you know, grievances you may have had, whatnot. But you guys should be getting feedback on a regular basis. You know, your calls are monitored, this is your score. Um, that doesn't happen now because of some updating, I think, our QM process needs and our scorecard needs. Um, right now, most of you guys are getting all hundreds. Uh, and you know, not be, not because you guys aren't aren't great. Uh, you guys, you guys are, but the scorecard needs to be updated. Um, a lot of the questions are irrelevant. A lot of the answers to the questions as we evaluate your calls are not applicable. Um, so there needs to be a revamp of that process. You guys should you guys should receive in your quality monitoring feedback things that are relevant to what you need to do to sell to give quality service 
and to be compliant. And this should be done on a regular basis. You should say, hey, you know, we reviewed your calls, Pat. This is what we found, you know. And it should all link back to the call script and you guys should, that you guys should have and all link back to increasing sales, right? You should get coaching on sales based on quality monitoring, coaching on quality and coaching on compliance. So um, if you are receiving this on a regular basis, if the QA process is improved, like what I wrote there, your, the feedback you get will be more valuable to, to, to uh, ensure you're doing what you need to do on the phone. So if, if at the end of the year, if December 2014, I can check off these three things, I'll be happy. So these are, are the front burner things for me. Um, there are other things that <coughs> may come up. Um, there is something here that, that I didn't put on here because it's not a, a sales-driven issue. It's a marketing-driven issue. Um, some of you guys know that marketing is installing a marketing module, an Oracle marketing module. So like we have Siebel on the sales side, they're going to have a marketing on demand Oracle you know, application or software. So right now they don't have that. And what it's going to do is it's going to better link marketing campaigns to leads to what the end result is when you guys end up selling. It's a, definitely an improvement to the process that definitely will give you guys more visibility on what's happening with these leads and where these leads are coming from. Gives them more visibility to know what happens to the leads and when they close, why they close, which allows them to improve their marketing efforts. So um, there will be a little bit of Siebel retraining there will be some, some small tweaks to the way Siebel looks um, when this implements. I've asked them to push this out. We're not ready for this now. We have a lot going on. So they're, they're not going to make any changes for the next you know, month or two. So uh, you know, that was my concern. I said, listen, you know, can we wait? You know, we've got a lot going on for April 1st. So they're going to do that for us. But that's a side issue, not starting, you know, not originating from sales, originating from marketing. But as far as sales items for this year, these are the top three. So. Uh, moving into the sales training. So uh, what I want to talk about is barriers to effective selling before going into um, the more of the minutia of the call script and what, what we should be saying, how we could be saying it, what order we could be saying it in, and improving sales on that front. I put five or six bullet points in this slide. Um, I'm moving a little bit fast. Were there any questions? I want to make sure you guys got a chance to... Um, let me know what those are. So what are some barriers to effective selling? Um, number one, and this is no particular order, this is just things that, that happen. A negative view of sales. Now, some of you guys may, may look at that and be, you know, what? You know, a little dumbfounded. Um, I've seen that in the past, and it, it does happen, where someone is in sales, but they don't like sales. Um, they didn't you know, graduate high school and say, I want to get into sales when I grow up. Uh, what they did was look for a job and what they found was a sales job and they took it. And they just stuck with it and they're doing it, but they don't like it. They don't like sales. Now, what do you think? If you have a negative view of sales, are you going to sell well or not? So if your view of sales is negative, it's going to impact uh, how you do. So I, I broke these down into two different types of uh, perspectives. One is the, is the negative view of the profession, and one is just not being a right fit. So for a lot of people, they look at sales as something sleazy, something uh, like greedy, money-driven, don't care about the customer, trying to push uh, onto me a car, $2,000 more than what it's worth, 
lying, you know what I mean? That's the view people have of sales, bothering me when I'm trying to eat dinner, knocking on my door to sell me a vacuum cleaner. So if, if someone has that perspective of sales, they're, they're gonna be very hesitant to do what a salesperson does, which is, you know, with confidence and assertiveness, talk to customers and, and close deals. The second side of this coin is uh, personally not a, a right fit. So it's not necessarily a negative view of the profession, but it's a negative view of the fact that I'm doing this job. So they'll say, you know, the, the thought process is, you know, sales is legitimate. It's a legitimate job for some. Um, it's not for me. I'm doing it because I have to pay the bills. But if I could be doing something else, I would. Uh, I'm not because I, 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 either I can't or I don't know where to start. But in the meantime, I'm just going to be miserable <laughs> doing what I'm doing. Um, so this is, this is sort of where we take a, a step back and do some self-analysis self um, uh, when it comes to this. In fact, the first three bullet points are all internal things and not external things. And the next two bullet points are more external. Um, but this is sort of where we look at ourselves and, and analyze our strengths, analyze our weaknesses, and see, okay, what do I need to do to improve? Now, as a sales manager, um, if you are in this bucket, you know, I can, I can coach, I can teach, I can train, I can encourage. That's all I can, I can do. Um, I can't really make you love your job beyond trying to be, do right by you as, as a manager. Now, what I've said to the group yesterday, and, and I think it's worth repeating here, um, I, I do look at you guys as people ahead of employees, okay? Um, I, I don't see you guys just as a means to my end, right? Which means, you know, you're just a means to me getting my goal, so you need to do X, Y, and Z. Um, I, I want you guys, I don't, wanna, I don't mean to sound cheesy, I want you guys to be happy. All right. If you're not happy, it doesn't. That's cheesy, isn't it? I want you to be happy. Oh, I'm, I'm like, you. I'm like, I'm like your mom. I just want you to be happy, honey. Um, I, let me let me explain what I mean by that. Um, it it does no one any good if you're not happy. It doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do me any good. So, if there is a way that I can help you do better at what you're doing, increase your your uh, satisfaction in the money you're making increase bonus, give you the tools, whatever, motivate you, just come in and give you a pep talk, I mean, I'll do that. Um, but I also want you to know that, you know, I've, I've tried to have this open door policy as a sales manager where you can come to me and tell me anything without fear that I'm going to discriminate or bring retribution. Um, you, you can come to me and say, Rob, I don't want to be in sales. I want to be, you know, um, in claims. And not, you know, I'm not going to go and say, no, you know, I need you as a salesperson. You're not going anywhere. I don't own anybody, right? And what I'm not going to do, conversely, is now punish you because you told me that you don't want to, you know what I mean? Or discriminate against you because you told me something. So um, I, I want you to have the right impression of how I view things. I've had reps in the past who have told me, Rob, I appreciate the opportunity. I don't want to be in sales. Back then, I had a rep at eHealth who told me that. I want to be in compliance. Now, talk about far removed from sales. How, how, how much further can you get than compliance? Um, so she, it was, a, it was a, a, a rep. She said to me, I, I want to be in compliance. Uh, and I said, sure. How can I help? You want to write your recommendation letter? You want me to what? I mean, whatever you want. I, you, know, I have, you know, I want you guys to reach your goals uh, career-wise, whether it's in our, on our team or not, whether it's in Tufts or not. I have no reason to to look at you guys in any other way. 
So at the time, I remember talking to her and, and her having very frank discussions with me on how was she going to move from one department to, to the other. It involved relocating and, and yada, yada, yada. And I said, whatever I can do to help, you know. You're a reliable employee, okay? You know, you come in every day, you do your job, you know, you, you know, I look at you as an employee, you're doing a good job, why would I not write you a recommendation letter? Why would I not, you know, pick up a phone and say, hey, so-and-so, this is the manager of whatever. You know, I got this person going over there for an interview. You know, I just want you to know that they've done a good job. I've done this here at Tufts, by the way, with, with like temps. You know, it says, hey, Rob, I really want to get, you know, get in here on Tufts. You know, I says, hey, you've done a good job. You know, what, what do you want to do? You know, and I've had pick up the, I have picked up the phones and I have pulled up my email and said, hey, there's someone going to be interviewing. They did a good job for us here, this AAP. This is, this is their, their story. You know, and then, and then having them call me back and say, hey, tell me more about this person. So uh, uh, maybe a little long-winded here, but I, I want you to know that whatever your goal is, I, you know, if you're miserable coming into work, you're not going to sell. <laughs> and you're not going to be happy. So um, I want you guys to be happy. Negative view of sales is the first one. Negative view of product is the second one. So it's a little bit different. Um, sometimes people are okay with sales. They just don't like the product that they're selling. And I have been in this position. I have been in a sales organization where my view of the product wasn't very high. Um, I think here at Tufts, thankfully, we don't have that problem. I think we are a well-respected plan. I recently reconnected with a former colleague who went out in my previous job, he was the uh, VP of product development. He's now in a startup, and he's uh, head of research and something else at another health insurance lead generation company. And we recently just talked, you know, I got him on LinkedIn. He, he, he called me up, said, you know, how you doing? And, uh, uh, you know, we just had a, 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 good, a good conversation. And, you know, in the past, <coughs> when I've been in the, in the position where I have a product that I don't have a lot of faith in, it's, it's hard to sell because you're going to be hesitant unless you just have no integrity. You're just like pushing people products that don't fit. <laughs> if you're going to do that, hey, take this, you know, take this health insurance. I know it doesn't fit. I know you have EG. I know you have a retirement plan. You're going to lose it. I'm not going to tell you any of that. Screw you. I need my bonus. Right, but if you have sort of, you know, a feeling of, I want to do right by people, um, you're going to hesitate. And that hesitation is perceived on the phone. Um, uh, 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 people pick up on that stuff, you know. And, and if you don't believe in the product, they're, they're not going to believe, uh, they're not going to believe in it either, you know. They're not going to believe in it either. So, um, I think at Tufts, oh, I remember what I was going to say about the, uh, the guy I reconnected with. Um, when he asked me, because I last spoke to him when I was at eHealth, when he said, oh, I saw on LinkedIn that you got a new job. I said, yes, I did. He says, you're at Tufts, right? I said, yes, I am. He says, wow, good for you. Tufts is a very good company. I had Tufts as an insurance in my last job, and we loved it. My wife and I loved the insurance. We loved dealing with Tufts. It was an awesome plan, right? So I think the view of Tufts from the outside is very good. You know, as, as I came on board and I talked to people who said, oh, where are you working now? You know, I see your badge. You know, where are you? I'm working at Tufts. Wow, good for you. That's a good company. So I don't know what perception that we have internally of Tufts, but the perception is, is definitely good for a lot of people. And on the outside, it's very good as well. Um, now, this is where it can really hurt you. I had a rep who did not like Advantage plans, thought they weren't good plans. Because when he got into training to learn insurance, 
he learned that there was a METSA plan, um, specifically the F plan, which is called the F in other states here, we'd call it the sub one, that has no co-payments. Then there was the Advantage plan with restriction to network and co-payments and lots of, you know, deductibles sometimes depending on the plan. He said, that's not a good plan. Why would I sell anybody the Advantage plan? The SUP is the good plan. That was his mantra. So first month on the job, he sold two. And the second month on the job, he sold like three. So I'm trying to give some of this guy some coaching. You know, I says, well, you know, what are you doing on the phones? You know, I noticed that you're saying this, saying this. I mean, what's the issue? Are you finding... And I, what, I, what I'm getting from him, the vibe is, he says, no, I'm not going to sell Medicare Advantage to that person. I, he, he would like sometimes recommend a different plan. Like, oh, why don't you call Cigna? I'm like, what are you doing? You have like five different products to choose, to choose from. Three different companies. You have Humana, you have Blue Cross, you have Aetna. I mean, what, what are you doing? He says, well, I mean, they didn't like the sub, so I had to... Okay, but you have the Advantage plans. You realize that, right? He says, well, the... You know, I really don't like putting people, you know, I, this is what he said to me. You know, I look at customers like they were my grandparents, you know, and I'd say, what would I tell my grandmother to do? Sup, all the way. So in his mind, advantage plans were not good plans. He wasn't going to sell it. He wasn't going to sell it. So if you have a negative view of what you're selling, you're not going to sell it. You're not going to sell it well. Um, I, you know, we should be in a, in a place, and I'm comfortable with putting you, you guys all in the place, where we should be able to give a, make a case for any product we sell. I can make a case for why someone should buy our Saver RX plan. I can make a case for why someone should buy our Prime RX plan. I can make a case for why someone should buy our sub. And this is the case. Right, someone asks why should, you know, that's part of the selling. It's not just, this, these are your benefits. Part of it is why should I choose Tufts? And especially seniors, they're going to be, um, in, in a sense, all sales is emotional, but They've lived enough to have been screwed in the past. They want to make sure they're choosing a good company. You know what I mean? You know, when you're, when you're, when you're 18, you may buy something because all your friends have it. You know, when you're 65, you say, okay, what am I getting myself into here? So part of the sell is, listen, this is why you should go to Tufts and not Blue Cross and not United Healthcare. That should be, you know, we, we should have that in the back of our uh, minds all the time. Uh, so negative view of product does impact sales. Um, third, Another internal one, low confidence slash uh, pessimism. So sales is a sport. I, I don't know how many of you guys view it that way, but it is a sport. It is competitive. And, um, you know, it, it, we talk about sales a lot of times like we talk about sports. You know, you're on a hot streak, Justin. You know, you're, you're, you know or I'm in a rut. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm having a bad, a bad month. So you look at people who play sports, they, they say stuff like that. Like, oh, I, I lost my mojo. You know what I mean? There, there is, a, there is a, an aspect or the psychology to sales that re is really is tied into your confidence and your ability to sell. If you don't think you're going to sell, you're not going to sell. You know, there is a self-fulfilling uh, self prophecy, uh, which is a psycho psychological thing. There's, there is a thing, you know, I'm not going to sell well. You're not going to sell well if that's what you believe. If you th I'm never going to be at the top of the board, ever. If, if, if that's your starting point, you know, you are gonna get exactly what you uh, what you perceive. So low confidence um, and obviously pessimism, right? Obviously pessimism. So if um, if if you're the you're a glass half half empty kind of person, um, it's gonna be hard because sales does require confidence, optimism, being upbeat, being able to motivate yourself. I had a bad I had a bad week this week. Everyone was transferring more than I am. 
I'm going I'm to get them this week. This is what I'm going to adjust. This is what I'm going to do. But if, if, if I have a pessimistic perspective of things, what I'm going to say is, I can't do this because look at marketing. You know, I can't do this. You know, the, the co-payments are too high. You know, I, I can't do this. The calls, the phones aren't ringing. So everything is negative. Everything is, you know, everything is negative. Everything is outside of your control. Everything is, you know, if Tufts wasn't so, and, and product did a better job at, if they just gave us a dental writer, if, if marketing gave us more leads, if the, if the SCO call stopped coming, and the CMS stopped testing, and they, right? If, if that's your outlook, it's gonna impact your ability to sell. Um, a successful salesperson is, is like this eternal optimist, you know? Even, even after bad months. I had a bad month this time, but you know what? I'm gonna get them next month. You know what I noticed, Pat? You know, my approach has been a little bit X, Y, Z. I'm, I'm going to start outbounding more in the mornings. You know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to change how I do my presentation. This is, right? So the, the, the successful sales rep is always this positive, what am I going to do to change? I will do well. I just got to figure out the, the key to doing that. So I don't know how many of you guys read that article I sent out back in January. Some of you guys may have others. I, I asked this three weeks ago to someone, and they're like, what article? <laughs> Thanks for reading my email. <laughs> so back in January, I sent out an article. It's uh, from, a, I think it's Forbes. So I read a lot of that stuff because uh, I enjoy it, and also because a lot of the stuff they talk about when they talk about business, starting a business, running a business, entrepreneurship, I see a lot of correlation to sales, a lot of correlation to sales. You know, being a self-starter, self-motivated, a lot of that stuff. So in that article, it says, I think the title was uh, 10 Limiting Behaviors to Being Successful or something. Um, and at the time, I said, you know what? I could retitle this 10 you know, Limiting Behaviors to Being a Successful Salesperson. You know, not just a person, but a successful salesperson. And that was one of the points um, in that article. It's, it's I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do better. How am I going to do that? You know, this is what I'm going to adjust. This is what I'm going to do. If I'm on the other side of the coin, if I'm the glass half empty, I'm going to say, I can't do this, you know, and it's going to impact your sales. Absolutely. Um, number four is poor communication. What you say? <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? What'd you say? What'd you say? What'd you say? Uh, yeah, so poor communication. So your ability to communicate on the phones has a direct impact on, on your sales. So I, I, I had a sales rep once um, who, you know, really struggled. You know, to, to her credit, she was very optimistic um, most of the times. But she struggled with, with sort of breaking, like, the, the halfway mark. She was always in the bottom half. So the report would come out. There'd be 100 reps. She'd always be 50 and below. And, she's, and she's, a lot of times I'd hear her say, you know, I'm going to do better, I'm going to do better. But she would get herself in this rut. And then she'd get into this place where she's like, well... The problem is, and she'd point her finger at all, every other direction. So one day what I did was to help her, um, I talked about what she could do to adjust. And I said, you know what? I want you to listen to a call. I pulled a call from a, a rep from a different office, so she's not, not anybody she knew, um, who was a top rep. Listen to this call, right? This, this, this. Now, let me just give you some background. At eHealth, uh, a sales call could take half an hour or more. A half an hour sales call was quick. Here, it's more like 10 minutes. This guy sold this person in 15 minutes. Done. Getting ready to enroll. So, which, is, which is very, very efficient. I said, listen to this call. I don't have to tell you who it is. You don't know this person. I gave her my headset, and she was listening to it. 
So the call lasted 10 minutes, so I just sat there while she listened to it, and I can hear her. She's like, oh, oh, he's good. <laughs> oh, wow, he's pretty good, huh? So, so what he was on the phone was didn't miss a step. You know, the call script was intentional. Every phase of the, of the presentation led to the next phase. Didn't spend 20 minutes chatting about the Red Sox. I mean, just move on, on. Very personable, very charismatic, made people feel comfortable, very knowledgeable, had the answers, moved them right along. Assertive, drove the call, had control of the entire conversation. And I said to her, you know, the way you communicate with people have a direct impact on your ability to close. So what we need to work on is improving that communication. So some people are naturals when it comes to this. Others are not. Um, I am not a natural at this. I had to learn this over the course of the years. I, I was always an introvert uh, uh, growing up. So I, I, I'd, I'd be okay with learning and reading and studying. But then I, when I had all this stuff in my, my brain and when I needed to express it, I wouldn't know how to order it, how to say it, how to do it clearly and directly. I broke this down into, into four things. Uh, the first is listening skills. <coughs> so this happens a lot. Um, part of communicating with the person is listening to what they're telling you. Um, I heard a, a pretty great, pretty good call from someone on our team last week. Um, within 30 seconds, this person asked the person, would you like to enroll today? And you know what the person said? Uh, yeah. Now you may ask me, how can you ask that within 30 seconds? It's because there was a buying signal within 30 seconds. Within 30 seconds, the customer said something that in this rep, I, ima I imagine, triggered something. Because customers will tell you things, and your job is to figure out what they're saying behind what they're saying. Because they're not always very clear in expressing themselves. Right? They don't always know what they're saying. They don't know what they want. They've been given misinformation. Um, you know... I have to think about it, it means 10 different things. It, it, it could mean, it could mean I, I don't like talking to you and I'm just being polite to get you off the phone. It could mean I really got to think about it, I'm, I'm really confused. Um, it could mean let me hang up and call Blue Cross and see what they have to say. I mean, it could mean a bunch of different things. Our job in the communication aspect is to understand what are they really trying to say. So listening skills are important. They give you a buying signal. You take it every time, every time. So what, what this person did was, within 30 seconds, she said something, the, the customer. The rep said, oh, did you want to enroll today? The customer said, um, yeah. Now, is that going to be automatically from the outset, a shorter call or a longer call? Shorter call. Assume that, now she can just assume the sale, right? This is what you need to know. Boom, boom, boom. Do you have A and B? Do you have ESRD? Yada, yada, yada. This is how it's going to start. This one's going to be effective. This is how it works. This is how the plan works. Let me look, let me look up your doctor. Boom, 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 hit all the marks. Okay, let me transfer to Dallas America for enrollment. Took, her seven, took this person seven minutes, right? But if you're not listening and you're sort of like, you know, the Saver RX plan is a great plan. I mean, zero premium, awesome plan. The person can tell you anything. You go, okay, 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 let me show you what I got. Okay, I have this plan. It's a great plan. Lots of people are buying this plan. It's a zero premium. You know, you could have, the person could have gave you all these signs saying, I'm a med sub consumer. You're going to push the, the, the Save RX plan, and, and, and they're not going to buy. Or it's going to be an uphill ba battle to, to help them enroll. Uphill battle. Because at the outset, they're not going to want the Advantage plan. I'm giving you an example. But a lot of people are very polite. They're not going to tell you that. I don't want this plan. Or change the subject. You know? Anything else in your 
you know, you're in your bag of, of product. You know what I mean? They won't, what they'll do is they'll pose questions like, oh, really? But how does that work? And what you think the person is saying is, explain some more. But what they're really saying is, I don't like this. I, I don't feel comfortable with co-payments. I really don't. Because I have a medical history or uh, my, my, my parents really, really got stuck with $30,000 in medical bills because of co-payments. I just want to not have to worry. I want to have no co-payments. But you got to listen to pick those uh, types of things up when, in the conversation. Um, indirect, confusing explanation. A um, lot of knowledge you guys have. You guys have a lot of knowledge. Y you know, it needs to be explained clearly. Because if we want to make this confusing, we can't. It, it already is confusing. So if, if when someone asks you a question, you can't give out the bottom line. This is the bottom line. And what you're doing is giving like, well, 1965 when Medicare started, you know, it's great that you know that, but if you're beating around the bush, <coughs> people are going to be confused. And it's not intentional. Usually what you're doing is you're trying your best to help the person. You just have a hard time being succinct with your responses and your explanation. Um, inefficient or passive, right? So the passive, you know, conversation or communication is just I sit back and wait for the questions. Uh-huh. Well, that is this and that is that. Well, your co-payment is 30. Okay. Any other questions? So if I'm, if I'm passive and the person is just asking me questions and I'm 411, I'm not going to do well. Um, and then obviously the inefficient is I'm not um, uh, doing a good job, good job of managing my time. So um, there is a sweet spot. Your calls can't be too short, especially in the new, in the new single credit system, but they can't be too long. Right? If you're too short, people are not going to have enough information. They're not going to be comfortable in closing. They're not going to have their questions answered. If you're too long, um, not only will you take less leads, because you know, if, if someone takes two calls, why do you take one? And you close one, they close two, guess what? You know, you're behind, right? Even though you close them. Um, not only that, I, I, sometimes the longer you go, the more you hurt the sale. And I have heard, I have seen reps talk past the sale. Right? And I would listen to the call. I'm like, this is where you should have closed right here at the 12-minute mark, not the 37-minute mark. You see that? That's a callback now. They got to go back and talk to their daughter because <laughs> you talked into their ear for 37 minutes and they're overwhelmed. All they needed was what you gave them in the first 12 minutes. They were, they were good. See that buying signal? They were ready to go. You should have said right there, would you like to enroll into this plan today? That's when you should have said it. But you kept going you know, because you wanted to explain other things or, or whatever. So... Um, Efficiency is important. Number four is over-education. So there is a tie between these last three, you know, the indirect, confusing, inefficient, passive, and the over-education. That's just, you know, e you know, every single answer is a very long-winded very long answer. And a lot of times, people who fall into this camp are very good at communicating, meaning they don't stutter, the answers are prompt, the person is knowledgeable. They just talk a lot. So the person asks a co-payment question, and it's a five-minute answer. Um, because you have the knowledge doesn't mean you have to share it, right? So my, my mantra is this. This is what I, what I tell people on the phones before I close them. As much as I need to, not a, not a word more. Plus what CMS requires me to tell them, not a word more. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So they come at you with... A number of questions. Maybe it's five questions, maybe it's 30 questions. You don't know. They come at you with a number of concerns. Two concerns, five concerns. 
I answer the questions, I solve their concerns, and then I touch upon all the CMS requires. I have to ask certain things. You know, I have to give certain disclosures. I have to, you know, ask them if they have yes or I got to tell them what the referral circle. You know, I touch upon all the nothing more because I can go on. I can talk for a long time if I want to. Um, but I got to be careful, not just for the customer's sake, but for my own sake. If I'm looking to increase my position on the sales board, I got to take more calls. But I got to give them everything they want. So that's the balance that you got to strike. Um, and last piece, uh, we're right on time with five minutes left. Uh, this is my last bullet point for today, which is selling style. Um, <coughs> uh, there are different perspectives on how you sell or the, your, your style of selling. For a lot of people, selling is convincing or persuading. So their outlook is my job, Giuseppe, is to, when I take your call, is to convince you to get my plan. That's my job. So my approach will be that. I gotta, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in a court of law and I'm make, gonna make an argument to convince the jury that I'm right. So I gotta persuade you. So whatever it, wherever it is you're coming from, whatever it is you're saying, I gotta convince you, right? That's one, uh, that's one view of it. The other is help. The word I put was helping, um, which is a short form of saying helping people get what they need. Um, another word, another way that this is said in the industry is consultative selling, right? Which is almost night and day compared to convincing. So I'm not convincing people to do anything. I'm helping them solve their problem. So if they're looking for insurance, that's a problem. That's not a, that's not a fun thing to do. Looking at insurance is not fun. I like looking at my insurance and I'm an insurance person, right? So when I you know, took this job, I'm trying to figure out what Tufts covers and what it doesn't cover and I'm comparing it to my old plan. And, you know, that's not fun. You know, it's something you have to do. So when they call you, there is a problem. And if your outlook is, okay, I understand your problem, let me show you how you can solve it, you're going to come across in a much, much, much better way. And you're going to help yourself sell more. Right? You're going to help yourself sell more. So um, uh, uh, convincing, you know, convincing is more like, these are my products right here, okay? So uh, I, I talked to the customer. Let me, let, me, let me show them this because this is a great plan in their area. It convinced them this is what they need to get. Consultative selling is more like, so what are you looking for in a plan? Like, what are you, what are you concerned about? What, what didn't you like about your old plan? Okay. Um, is, is doctor choice important to you or is it more the benefits more important to you? Um, are you more of a person that you'd rather pay more a month, not have to worry about paying the hospital doctor after, or do you, do you prefer to pay less a month, you know, because you don't feel like you go to the doctors enough? So what, what camp do you fall in, Miss Howell? So as I listen to them tell me, one, two, three, these are my four concerns, these are my five questions, my job then becomes, okay, well, this is what I suggest, this is what I recommend based on what you're telling me. What I'm doing now is bringing a solution to their problem. And if you're, if you're good, I mean, if you're good at selling, there will be people that you can, that you can say, um, this is not a good fit for you. You should stick with your retirement plan, right? So you can be a good salesperson and do very well and say that to people. You can. So there's, there is this, there is this uh, false dichotomy where, where sometimes people think that in order to do well in sales, 
I have to convince everybody on the phone that they need to buy my plan. Everybody. Everybody needs to be convinced. The more I convince, the, more, the better I do. You're going to be in some tough spots where someone's going to tell you something and you're going to think to yourself, they shouldn't leave what they have. Right? And, and you don't want to be the person that goes home at night and says, did I just screw that person? But the first person, the first, I mean, every single one of us have ha has had to do that mm -hmm. at some point or another. And it is, you know, you don't even think about it being a loss of a sale as being able to walk away with a clear conscience mm -hmm. because that person is always going to tell you, I really do appreciate your honesty right. because somebody that is unscrupulous will lead them down the path, get them on that $35 plan, get them away from their EG, and then something happens and they get five more medications added to their regimen right. and no way to pay for all of that because you gave them some bad advice. So, right. you know, it's, it's funny because somebody that I was on the phone with today Ben just called me, so something's going on upstairs. It's real busy. It's real busy? Yeah. Okay, so I can go on, but we'll, it's 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock. We'll pick, you know, we'll continue with, we meet again on Tuesday, I think. Uh, but if there's no more questions, thank you. Thank you. All right.